0: Hello and welcome to the Inner Gamer episode. I'm going to stare that over for a second. Hang on, that, was, that was too loud. Yeah, you will. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Inner Gamer episode 245. Oh, shit. We're five episodes away from 250. What does That's that mean? Big. We don't know yet. We'll get there when we get there. We don't know yet. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. My name is... Brett Janoski.
1: And my name is Austin Morales. And this week on the gamer podcast, Brett jumps into Concrete Genie on PS4. Brett and I both jump back into Battlefield 5 for the newest DLC on PC. And in the gaming news, Ninja Ninja demands a double standard from millionaire influencers. What? Are you surprised? I, I don't I really don't think I am. Anyway, China fears youth is addicted to gaming.
0: <laughs> Surprise.
1: Overwatch stagnated because of the sequels, and what the fuck? Polygon Rider is shilling for microtransactions so you're definitely going to want to hear that in our discussion topic what makes good multiplayer map designs after playing battlefield 5's new dlc and comparing it to modern warfare we have a lot to say on that design and there's an article to go along with it so we'll dive into all of that and cue the music
0: hey guys this is patricia somerset
1: voice of princess zelda from legend of zelda breath of the wild and ash from rainbow six siege just wanted to say hello and you are listening to the inner gamer
0: November 12th, 2019. Welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. If you enjoy our content, you can show your support by donating to help us grow our amazing community. And you can do that by going to theinnergamer.net slash donate. But if you don't want to donate monetarily, you can donate by just being a part of our awesome community. I want you right now, if you are not going to donate today, I need you to go to our show notes, click that link on Discord, and come join us on Discord and introduce yourself, say hello, become a friend that's all we asked for. And then eventually maybe you'll want to donate us to make better stuff. That'd be cool too. But right now just come and join the community. We got a bunch of new people in there. I want to, you know, give a shout out to all the new people that are there. It's really awesome that you're coming in and joining us and hopefully playing some games. And that's really exciting. So come be a part of the community, have fun, enjoy us. And, Let's play some games together and oh, yeah. do cool stuff. Oh, like, yeah. Awesome. Like, what is your hot game right now that you're playing? Like, more than anything? <laughs> uh, painting miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome not playing video games. If you want to play with me and Jason? Uh, we're playing some Borderlands 3s. You can come join us in that. I, Pretty exciting. I will say this. I've,
1: as we're going to talk about here at Battlefield 5, I think I want to jump more into Battlefield 5 right Dude, now. Dude, me too. Hell yeah. Let's do it.
0: Make it happen. There we go. Make it happen. Let's do it. All right. And if you're in the DFW area, check out our next event at Hop Fusion. Again, we are back third Thursday every month. It'll be at Hop Fusion. Question, Austin, are you off that day? We'll find out. Okay. Because I just realized I haven't double booked that day. Uh oh And I have to be in Dallas. So. Oh, uh, no. We'll see what
1: happens. We'll see what
0: happens. Anyway, we may have an event on the 21st of November. So come on out and join us. Now, let's jump into the games we played, everybody. So... Me and Austin have both been playing games this week. Hey, uh, yeah. playing some Battlefield 5, which we will talk about later on. Uh we've been pl- I've been playing some Borderlands three. Austin, you played a game called Remnant at or or what? what what's it called? Uh, yeah. Uh, it from, the ashes behind, from the Ashes or, behind, or the ashes, something yeah, like that. Behind the Ashes, under the Ashes. Playing that. Dark Souls um, with Guns. <laughs> I'm sure you're playing Dead by Daylight. <laughs> no <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> Dead by Daylight. What I is mean, that you trash? I don't know. You might you might just like kidding. it. I know Travis loves it. Yeah. Um, he doesn't like good games. Ah, <laughs> ah that's so mean. Just kidding, so mean. just kidding. But uh, we've been playing a lot of different games. But one thing I've been playing recently that I haven't gone too deep into, but did want to start talking about because it is a new game, is a Concrete Genie for the PlayStation Four. This is a PlayStation Four exclusive, and this game was revealed at E3 several years ago, and it it caught my eye with the just the gorgeous art style and game mechanic that it had, and it was pitched as a a game in which you you have a character that's inside this really bland, uh, dark, decrepit kind of world. Um, What you find out is it's a fishing area and you grew up here as a child and now because there was an oil spill in the area, all of the industry has left the city and it's become a ghost town. So you're in this area that is no longer inhabitable because the oil spill killed all the industry and then everybody had to leave. So you come back as a kid to explore this place that you grew up and have a love for because it's your home and want to see it. But the main mechanic of this game is painting, and painting in a very unique and exciting and, quite frankly, incredibly innovative way in the way that they approach it, especially on PS4, getting dated, going older, all that stuff. But uh, they, this is one of the few games that actually takes advantage of the gyroscope inside the PlayStation 4, which is weird. Like, you don't ever see that anymore. Like, I remember the first couple games that came out were, like, Horizon... Not Horizon Jordan. Um, Infamous, Second Son. That was the first game that introduced the the mechanic of it, and you use it to spray paint. So, in this, you use it to paint. So that's the same kind of, kind of mechanic here. And you you activate your painting abilities and then you have a little crosshair that shows up on the screen and then you move your gyros, your controller around like the full motion of your controller to point at a portion of a wall and start painting. So you hold down the button to paint and just move around and you can do curves, lines and all that stuff. And it's pretty accurate. It, uh, it hits the, hits the point and it's not meant to be very precision painting, but it's more, you just make some broad strokes And this beautiful art comes to life on the screen. So you're not having to do finite detail oriented painting to draw lines and shapes and fill in color, but instead you choose a type of art. Um, The only thing I have unlocked right now is landscapes. And with that, I can do grass. And then along the bottom. (laughs) That's it? Just grass? No, that's one of the things. One (laughs) of the things. So one of the things I can do is grass. And I can. I can only draw grass everywhere. That's all. <laughs> that's all it is. This just like grass like everywhere. This awesome. Is, yeah. You just got wood everywhere, and then I just like throw some grass on. It looks great. You know, it's just yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Great. Perfect. But uh, for example, with the grass, you can paint along the bottom edge of a wall, and then it creates this grass, and then flows up and animates up from the bottom of the of the the ground, and that's super cool. And if you go around an edge where like it curves to the side, like you go to a corner and you keep your crosshair going, you can see both sides, it just continuously synchronizes, synchron- like just continues that paint along the edges and attaches to the 3D art that you're painting. And you can paint almost everything in this game, which is really cool. So the the technical achievement behind this gameplay is astonishing. And um, they, they have several types of... Things you can paint. So you have your grass. You can paint like these little, um, I'd call them like plant leaf things that come out of the ground. You can paint trees that will like big evergreen trees that'll populate from up in the background. You can paint like full like curved trees that then come out into like a like an, a tree that you created the shape of, and then it fills up with leaves and brush once you draw like the line of the 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 what do you call it the the thing that the, 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 the tree trunk the oh, okay. tree trunk i was like what is that <laughs> word um, once you draw the tree trunk and you can have animations inside of it so you can paint butterflies that will like flutter around inside the space you can do stars you can create an aurora borealis up in the sky um they have fires that you can create that warm which is the reason why it's called concrete genie is that the big mechanic behind it is your helpers in this world. Like you're an isolated loner kind of kid who <coughs> gets bullied by people. And when you first come to this town, there's these bully kids that want to, you know, beat you up. And you're an artist. Like you've been drawing books in your or drawing characters in your sketchbook forever. And what you find out early on in the game is that. Something with the, this stuff that's in this world allows you to have your drawings come to life on the walls, and they only exist on the walls. So you can take one of your characters you used to draw in your sketchbook, and once you cl- like, so these bullies like take away all of your take your sketchbook and rip it up, and then all of the papers get scattered across the world. So the main gist of the game is you're going to find the pages of your sketchbook that you have now lost. So you go and find a sketchbook and that gives you a piece of art that you can now draw either in the game world or to your genie. And the genies are these little friends that you create that exist. <coughs> excuse me. I have a have a bit of a cough right now because of allergy season and sinuses and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's hit me hard. It's hit me good. I'll say that. But uh, yeah, the genies are really cool and you, you find an area where they have it drawn like a chalk drawing on the ground, which you had drawn from like many, many years ago. And it's here. You go to the chalk drawing and you can draw on the wall and then create a genie who now comes alive on the wall and it follows you around and helps you progress through different areas of the game. So it may help you <coughs> get through a door where like you have these fire genies that if you get two of them together, they can catch this real object in the world on fire, which causes it to burn down and let you get through this door. Or they may create like a bridge for you to walk across something Mm. on the wall, which is really weird. But they're there as like buddies to you and partners in your journey through this, making this world a better place. Mm. And it's just a really cool, creative, clever this piece of game design, I mean, I'm, I'm really impressed. I don't think it's for everybody cause there's not a lot of action in the game. A lot of it's just illustrating these pieces and you don't have to go crazy with it, but I just have fun just going around, just painting everywhere and just making this really drab rundown old warehouse look beautiful with all this new art illustration color and stuff like that. Uh, but then there's a lot of gameplay mechanics that come into play. Like, one of the things you have to do, you have to clear a zone by painting on the walls to allow these like strange lights that are up on the wall to light up. And then when you start painting them, they start to light up in the game world. And then you see them on the game map. You have an overhead game map because it's an open world or an open area kind of game. You can see where those are. You can see where pages are in the world. So you go to that area to find the page that can then be added to your journal to allow you to paint and design more stuff. And it's just a, a really clever, simple, I think it's $40. So it's cheaper than a normal game as well. And it takes such good advantage of the PlayStation controls. Uh, it's designed really nicely. I don't have a lot of qualms with it. The animation is really good. The character design is great. Um, just the, the illustrations are amazing. I mean, so it's, it's wild.
1: It is a PlayStation exclusive. <coughs> it is, yeah. That This is awesome. Yeah. Another reason why I love PlayStation, yeah. like, yeah, the gameplay might be simple, but overall, like, it's an interesting, unique story that you can't tell by doing, you know, a yearly shooter, you know, a battle royale. It's like, <clears throat> I know games are meant for entertainment and have fun, and all that stuff's great and has its place, but you know, to tell a story that's interesting and unique is rare these days. Mm-hmm. So, I'm excited to jump into it. It might be. Well, probably, I probably won't be able to get around it until next year because all the games that are coming out. But right, um, yeah, man,
0: it sounds awesome. From what, what I've been great. told, too, it's a it's a short game. It's not very long. I'm about two two and a half hours in right now. But is it sixty bucks, the forty. Okay, so even better. I anticipate yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, there is a part of it where, from what I've heard reviews, is that halfway through the game, it completely changes and becomes almost a different game, you start actual combat. Which right now, like you avoid any confrontations with like the bullies that are after you. You can call them to get to distract them, to get to where they are, but you can't engage with them because they'll just beat you up and stuff like that.
1: Game over you. I killed you.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but eventually that changes later on. But it is a it's a very impressive work of art. And they've done some really great things with it. The company that did it is uh Pixelopolis or Pixel Opus is the name of it and they made a game called entwined a long time ago which i've never played mm. but that game was received pretty well but this one has gotten nines ten or nine nine and a half eight point five across the board so i'm impressed by what they've done and there's a vr component to it so if you have playstation vr you can put your vr headset in and paint in virtual reality which is really really cool and that's included with the forty dollar price tag so that's not, nice. a, not a bad deal so yeah, Concrete Genie. I'm gonna talk more about it next week once I actually get it to a completion. But um yeah, if you guys have a PlayStation, highly recommend picking this game up. It's a nice break in between other games that you might be playing. These other like 50 hour epics. This one definitely definitely strikes a good chord. It's calming, it's relaxing, it's 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 fun. It's a good game. So Austin. Yes. Pacific Theater is here in Battlefield Five now. Uh, we've talked many times about Battlefield Five. Yes, but now Chapter Five has arrived. Good things, of bad things. V, yes, and they with it they brought Pacific Theater with two maps. Let me know your first impression. Well, How do you time feel we, about this? Last
1: time we talked about this was when they had the battle royale, and <laughs> I didn't have good things to say about it. I think you're Correct. You're pretty. You're okay with it.
0: I was fine with it, but then soon realized afterwards, like it was not. Yeah, not fun. No. The low time sucked, and it just. Yeah.
1: Because Apex came yeah. out, I think... Yeah, Apex killed it. Right before it, and then it's just like, wow, there's no reason to even jump into this. Anyway, we got some play time. It was okay. This came out, needless to say, I was a little reluctant to jump into it. Yeah. But I was like, all right, Brett, we'll play it for you. You know, I know,
0: these guys were like, let's play... Or First, we're going to play Call of Duty, and then Travis apparently has gotten rid of Call of Duty already. So that was lame. And then you guys were going to play... And then you guys went and bought Remnant. And I'm like, what the heck? We're going to play a game <laughs> that we've already played. <laughs> they were like, let's play Battlefield Five. This new Pacific Theater just came out. It's like playing the old days of Battlefield 5 Let's go do it. So we yeah. got it.
1: So I was like, yeah, we might have some good times in there. It's been a while since we jumped into it. And man, do we have some good times, Brett. <laughs> I enjoy both of these because it's just two maps, right? Yeah, just okay. two maps. These things are they're very, very well designed, like balanced. You have high points. You have low points. You have places to hide and like brush and stuff. And you can attack any... Any objective from any uh, all directions, and I think it just they really put time and effort into making this amazing. And I know there was like early on, I guess almost a year ago or a few months ago, early this year or something like that. They were talking about them going to Hawaii and stuff like that, and actually looking at the area, taking lots of photos. And dude, some of these rocks—if you have your settings optimized right to to look good and stuff. Some of the some of these rock faces or cliff faces, holy shit, they look super real, right? And it blows my mind, like looking at it. Um, yeah, even Modern Warfare can't
0: compete with the graphic no, quality of Battlefield no. Five.
1: Well, Modern Warfare still has like even now, Call of Duty still has that kind of old school. I even want to kind of say it's kind of a <laughs> cartoony look to it, but I know it's not. Yeah. Um, it's the best way I can explain it. It just still feels dated even though the graphics have been updated quite a bit for modern
0: warfare, but it looks way better. But yeah, there's definitely the textures aren't near as detailed. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so I had a blast, man. I now I'm excited to jump back into it. You know, they kind of have a battle pass type thing where each week you complete a bunch of stuff uh by playing, you know, different modes and things and going for different objectives like um uh, like ones like, you know, resupply your teammates seven times or something like that and as you progress you get cool unlocks that you can only get that week so if you don't get them you don't get them it's called tides of war is that
0: component so that's their version of a battle pass basically but you don't have to pay for it
1: yeah it's free it's awesome all the stuff's been free so it's just like easy to jump in and have a good time obviously they have loot boxes but screw those loot boxes they're not enticing enough well, to I don't know.
0: Can you buy the loot box? I think they just come with progression, don't they? You can buy, like, gear. You can buy, Some of it is paid. Maybe there is some loot boxes you can buy. I, I checked it out because
1: I was curious. Yeah. Some of it's paid. You can buy Battlefield Points or something like that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, like, buy, like, cosmetic items and stuff. But yeah, I, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if you can buy an actual loot box. It's okay. Like it might not be a loot box, but there is something.
1: microtransactions that yeah. can be purchased. Um. Yeah, man. I cannot say... Any more good
0: things about it is so good. Yeah, so there's two maps that they came out with for the initial launch of Pacific Theater in Chapter 5. And uh, Iwo Jima is one of them. And Iwo Jima is... They have a a new mode called... um, I forget the name of it, but it's basically an assault mode where you have the attackers, usually the Americans, who are attacking the island, and the defenders who are holed up in the uh, mountain. And this is a really cool, unique take on Iwo Jima because... Yeah, the boat's coming in from outside. So you can spawn on the boat and jump into a U-boat or you can jump into a tank amphibious boat, tank thing. Um, There's planes like you used to know and love back in the day. And then once you get onto the island, you have these different maps around the lower portion of it. But what's really unique about this map is the upper mountain area. And the mountains go from outdoor exterior sniper-friendly capture points to underground close quarter caves like caves within the mountains or you're capturing like three points through and i think that's such a cool dynamic to it so there's always like battlefield's always been known for having these different kind of choke points and there's like certain map like capture points that are um kind of the the main uh where all the combat kind of lies and then the other map or the other capture points are just kind of like there, and people are just like tug of war trying to capture each one of those. But in this one, I feel like there's one central like cave area that's like that's the region that is always contested, and it's such a cool differentiate. It kind of reminds me of Operation Underground, which we have I haven't played yet in Battlefield Five, but it is Operation Metro, and we're like you had that outside area, but then a lot of the combat took place underground in the subway system. And that was such a cool differentiation. And then not only do you have Uogema, but then you have the map Pacific Storm, which is a series of little islands. So you start out, out in the water if you're Americans and the Japanese held up on these islands. And this reminds me of a Paracel Storm from Battlefield 4. Remember that map where... <clears throat> you have like the the hurricane that came in yeah. and like caused all the chaos oh, yeah. and stuff I like never, that. And this even has a feature like that yeah. where it's like after a while, like you start getting like a typhoon or whatever that's coming through and it gets dark and creepy and stuff like that. But this is such a good, there's, there's trenches that are really deep and intense and full of uh, excitement. And then you have all the, like a bunker system for one map. And I mean, there's just all this detail. That's just absolutely incredible. And then oh, yeah. in December, we get Wake Island coming back, which is also like, hell yeah. Yes. Can't wait.
1: Dude, I can't wait either. I can't wait for it. Like, I'm excited about Battlefield again. I don't know. Playing so much, uh, you know, Call of Duty has its place, but for me, it just died out pretty quick. Playing Battle Royale is exciting and, you know, makes for quick action-paced time, but sucks a lot of time out of your, yeah out of your, um, at your day or it can but the battlefield yeah the i know the maps or the matches are longer but again you have that ability to if you're dying you can kind of come back from that and you can continue to push forward and there's a lot of explosions and things going around depending on where you're at and there's a lot of great points of uh interaction in these maps even though they kind of look small because there's like lots of water around them and stuff, so there's only so much land. <laughs> but man, there's action happening everywhere. Like me and Travis are playing the, which is the one that had the the storm in it. You know what it was that going?
0: was a Pacific storm. Yeah.
1: So there's there's a part where um, there's like a bunker base uh, in the middle of the field. It's, I think it's location D, and so. Like, if you get a lot of people fighting there, there's a lot of places to go, hide, run around, take cover. And it's just like an all out battle to get that yeah. flag because the flag's right in the middle and it's kind of open, in an open area. But there are a few places, depending on which side you're on, you can kind of take cover on. And man, somehow I went in there, I died, Travis and Sarah there. Travis died, and Sarah was stuck in a bunker, but there's a bunch of people outside the bunker. Somehow she survived. And we all end up spawning in on her and then we had a cavalry come in and come and so we just started pushing into this base and it was an amazing experience like having like watching all of our team like kind of just come to this one point and it's just the whole like both sides were just fighting it out in this one location and it's just so much happening and it's just <clears throat> you can't get that with any other game.
0: Yeah, and there's like there's so many different areas and choke points that you can kind of lay claim to for this many players like there's 64 players in here but what's really cool about it is that for example i was playing battlefield or i was playing borderlands 3 uh last night and you know it's it's linear map design you know it's very i mean it's open area but you can clearly see like the map and then these little these little nooks off to the side that kind of go off to this little region that you're like oh i want to go over there and explore what that area is and then you get there and realize there's nothing there I'm like, what's the purpose of this little corner if there's nothing here? like maybe eventually they'll add content to it or whatever, but there's nothing there in this, I feel like no matter where you go in the, I mean obviously it's a little bit different, but in this game, no matter where you go, it feels like there's a purpose to the map, but it also feels very natural and organic. It doesn't feel like a map that's intentionally designed like it feels like a regular world that you're exploring that is just like a real location but there's intentional decisions made with every component of this game mm-hmm. and this map to, you know, get you flowing in the right directions, which we'll talk about later on in our discussion topic. <laughs> but it's just, it's so good.
1: And with this one, I feel like they, they are kind of going back to some of these classic maps and layouts, because I know, I think one of the reasons I kind of fell off Battlefield 5 and or was a deciding factor is that some of the maps that they have now Aren't as well designed in hindsight and kind of have this like arena style layout in a way. Um, a lot of cl- close quarters and like very narrow hallways, and you can go into buildings and stuff. And this is like very classic, very open. There's places to hide, but you got to find your way to get from one place to the next. Obviously, there's planes and stuff going. It's just like that's the kind of battlefield I remember playing back yeah. in the day.
0: I think, too, a lot of these, like those original maps that the game came out with, although they're really awesome, they didn't have any, like, iconic components to them a whole lot. I mean, you have – they may have had one area that was, like, this is an iconic region of it, but it was one central place, whereas some of these other maps have a lot of areas that are really cool to explore, um, like Pacific Storm. Like, that, that map there, when you're playing that mission where it's the tug-of-war – kind of a game mode the attackers and defenders you have two bases that are completely different one is that big huge bunker that has a center area that's wide open but it has all the like side like you know bunker areas made of concrete and then the other side is the same kind of idea but all trenches and you know trench dugout uh pillboxes and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. it's Similar in design, but they're both iconic areas that there's a lot to do in them that you want to congregate around those regions. Plus, there's obviously a map, you know, a flag there that you have to capture. But they're different, but there's two locations. Whereas that one map that takes place, I forgot the name of it, but that one we played at the very end that we we're getting pissed off at, that we always get pissed off in, <laughs> um, I think it's the one in Africa. It's called Africa. Aerodrome, the one with the big, huge airplane hangar.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah,
0: I like that map, the look of it and everything, but I feel like that map gets really unbalanced in that most of the combat centers around that center airplane hangar, and that's where everybody congregates, and then the outside maps is just a constant, like people are just going around in circles to capture those flags, and then you never control that. If you control the center, you control the game, but the right. rest of them don't really matter. right. And I feel like that's an issue with a lot focus. of the ones. Yeah, like, I agree.
1: Like, and that I think that's why it's kind of fell off because you can't get those objectives. And with these new maps, like it's easy to change the tide of battle.
0: Yeah, you know, well, like that map in uh, France or Holland or whatever that has the big ass bridge with the two flags on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you control that bridge, you control the game. Right. There are other maps that are just kind of secondary. Right. Or the other flags that are secondary. Yeah.
1: So the other map, Iwo Jima. Yeah, I had an amazing time on that with uh, me and Travis and Sarah. So we got a tank and we we're holding D, but we, we were winning at first because we had more flags than the other team. Then they got their shit together and started messing with us. And then we were like losing. And then towards the end <laughs> of the map, I was like, holy crap, we're not that far behind. We can still do this. We were like maybe 10, 10 people behind. And me and Travis and Sarah like started taking points like crazy. And it was just kind of cool because the action was so it was just nonstop for like 10 minutes. Like we'd go capture flag, Travis and Sarah go down. I kill the people somehow. Luckily killed the people, killing them, got them back up. We'd go to another objective, get that move to the last one. So we're at this last point where if we got it, we would probably win. or At least we would be really close. And it was down to like the wire. And we were taking this objective because we cleared all the guys out, but three tanks rolled in at the last minute with a whole bunch of troops coming from D because we were at E and you can just see them coming down the field and we're like, oh my God, we're like trying to kill people. There's explosions everywhere. And they won by six people. And it was the most crazy, exciting experience I've had in Battlefield in a long time. Yeah. yeah. Six people. Like, everyone <laughs> was fighting for their life. It was it was surreal. You can't you can't get that anywhere yeah.
0: else. Yeah, no other game has really been able to capture that. And what's crazy to me is there's, there's maps that I'm just looking at on the map list that I haven't even played yet that have come out, dri- like, dripped out throughout the course of the last mm. couple of months. Like, right, Al-Sudan, right. which is based off of the single-player campaign. Like, I haven't played that yet. I haven't played Operation Metro. There's that one grease map, Marita. I haven't played yet. Mercury was really cool. I like Mercury a lot. But there's a lot of maps that have been released that I still haven't touched yet. So I'm um, I'm glad that they're keeping it supported, and I hope they continue to support it through next year, since they did announce they're not making a battlefield next year. Right. Hopefully they keep this one running because it's they've gone to the point now where there's there's just so much in this game and so much content to unlock that it's and it's just so fun that. Yeah, keep it going. Keep people coming back to it. I mean, this this battle this Pacific Theater got a slew of new videos coming out on YouTube now that they release this content and all they and they release it for free. It's two maps. There's nothing crazy about it, but it got a ton of people talking about how like Battlefield's awesome again. So keep it up, EA. Dice. Not EA. It's yeah. Dice that's doing this. Come on, Dice. Come I don't want to give EA credit. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> well, anything else, Austin? Nope, that's it. Cool. Well, that's going okay. to wrap it up for the games we played this week. Again, if you want to play games with us each and every week, you can join us on our Discord channel. Check out the link in the show notes. If you like what you hear, subscribe to us on our favorite podcast app and tell a friend. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our video game news. Have you ever found yourself on your way to a friend's house for a LAN party or a con-like dream hack with no easy way to transport your gear? It's heavy, it's complicated, and you have to deal with
1: about five minutes parking restrictions. Thanks to our new sponsor, Crazy Pro Gear. You don't have to worry about that.
0: They have an awesome pro-level backpack that can hold any mid-sized tower or smaller, your accessories, peripherals, and everything except your monitor.
1: We used it at QuakeCon 2019, and it was a game changer. You can also use it for board games, video game consoles, and game sticks, and more to make travel to the next convention or friend's house as simple as throwing on your
0: backpack. Head over to the intergamer.net slash crazy, that is C-R-A-Z-Z-I-E, to purchase gear for your next event a portion of the proceeds go back to us to support the inner gamer we'll see you at the next con you're
1: listening to the inner gamer
0: it is time for our video game news in this segment we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry it and the
1: best week ever, Brett. Is it the best
0: week ever? Uh, probably I mean, not we've good. had other better weeks, but yeah, this that's is a pretty good week. I mean, yeah. there's, some, there's some stuff here to be there's talked good, about. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> good, bad, one, <throat> it's up to you. I know. The first one we got here is there's a Fortnite YouTuber. Uh, goes by the name of FaZe Jarvis. He or he works. He's on the clan FaZe, but he plays as Jarvis, and he's a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. He got mm-hmm. banned for cheating. He used an aimbot in a... Casual's only game of Fortnite and got caught and got banned for life on Fortnite. So as a result... Surprise. Surprise, <laughs> yes. He got banned. Yes, um, Ninja comes out and defends him and says that because he's a content creator, I don't know if he specifically stated this in the video, but he references that <clears throat> as a content creator, it has a little bit more weight than it would as a regular player who is cheating. Right. Because this is this guy's life and this is what he does for a career and therefore the incident, the banning shouldn't be as harsh because of him playing as a content creator. Um so therefore he doesn't think he should get a lifetime ban because, you know, even though it is against the terms of service, he said that he should get in trouble and he should be held accountable, but it shouldn't be lifetime. So that's that's the gist of what's happening here. So, Austin, what are your first almost thoughts? Almost like
1: uh, you know, special treatment. Um in a way. Well, no, not in a way, for sure. I don't know. Like he should be banned. He he makes a lot of money. <laughs> he makes like a hundred thousand a month or something like that. Something ridiculous. So understands his livelihood. Should he be treated any differently? Maybe. I mean, at the very least, give him like six months to a year. Or something ban, you know, he said he was doing it to make a funny video and like troll people. He is 17 years old, so obviously, he's not the smartest kid in the book because he's only 17, he's not matured. So maybe under I those know grounds, some that you know, are
0: 30 that hasn't <laughs> matured You know what I mean? <laughs> that's true, that's Man, true. Pay people,
1: these yeah, dads. I know, right? I don't know, it's just it's a tough cookie to crack. It's just kind of how they want to go about it. Um, he, yeah, yeah he's cheating, technically, he should get banned, right. Um, but I don't know. They, they might have to rework. They should be fair to everybody, right? And you know, maybe this is just a hard lesson this kid needs to learn. I mean, maybe that with that that's what it takes, and that's what it takes. I don't know how he goes about. Like, oh, I'm gonna make a funny video by cheating. Like, yeah, that's funny, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could have tailored it in a way. <coughs> Where it's like, oh, look, I'm using an aimbot, ha ha ha. And then it's like, oh, wait, I really wasn't using an aimbot. This is just like a, what do you call it? A, um, a supercut of like all the headshots I got or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. That's true. So,
0: yeah, it's it's a weird situation. Like a lot of people are saying that it's, <clears throat> it's a double standard kind of thing where Ninja thinks that content creators should get special treatment. And that's what a lot of people are wording it as. Like, I think the video that right. you sent me, Austin, was uh, put out by the quarter and it said, Ninja Demands Double Standard for Millionaire Influencers Jarvis Lifetime Band. That was the headline of this video. And I feel like I, f- and then there's commenters are saying, like, we're rich and famous so we shouldn't get punished for our wrongdoing. And then people who are followers are garbage. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Like I, I, see where I see where Ninja's coming from, because now his the way that he put it out. I didn't watch his reaction to it necessarily. I'm just talking based on like the articles that I'm reading and like what people are pulling in, in information from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But generally speaking, like I don't think he should be banned for life, because again, he's like Ninja mentioned. He's he's young. Seventeen years old, he's a stupid kid making stupid choices, but he also does this as a job and he does make money for it and if we want him to be able to do this as a job, it this could hurt his career to do this, which I mean in comparatively speaking sports like you injure yourself, you get kicked out and if you cheat, you get you get a suspension for a season which could yeah. kill your career. So the heart, the punishment is just as harsh in professional sports, I would say, but it's different because you're working with an age group here that is not yet fully matured. And he's using this in a casual match. I think it's bullshit. I, he shouldn't have been doing it and he does need punish because if I'm playing in that map, I'm going to be like this freaking guy's cheating. He's hacking. I don't want him in here. I want to ban him, but I don't, think a lifetime ban is the necessary punishment i could see a year ban right i think that'd be pretty damn harsh i mean because that could really change up your whole thing you have to think about what you're doing at that point but at least you're not out of the game completely so
1: i don't know playing devil's advocate it's kind of like you know you you're creating a career that's based on other companies products and it's a obviously a new kind of career in the 21st century that still hasn't come together completely. And I guess from an outsider looking in, it's always like, well, suck it up. Go get yourself an actual job. You know, go get a job that's going to stick around for a while. You know, don't get a job. Oh, and,
0: man, you did not just go there. <laughs> get a job. You're and, old, Austin. You're officially <laughs> hey, man, old.
1: Just think about it. Like, go get a job <laughs> that's not dependent on someone else's rule. Well, I say that lightly on someone else's the way that they handle certain situations it's going to be more standardized and stuff like that. Now, obviously, younger people are probably like, well, f- that's stupid. It's like I completely understand. Like having a job as a content creator is awesome. And if you're able to make it a job, you get your own hours. You can do your own things. You do what you love. You get to play, you know, cool games and meet cool people. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's still so new. It's just I understand how people are just like, well, screw it. It's just a band. Like that's what he gets for it, you know. Yeah. That's what he gets for cheating. And to some degree, yeah, that does what he gets. That is what he gets for cheating. Like, why do you think that was a good idea? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I think some people have said that they understand and agree that, you know, he's promoting cheating and that could really sour the pool with that game. You know, if he's promoting it, even though he doesn't mean to promote it as like, hey, everyone go out and get an aimbot.
0: Well, that's the thing. It all comes down to the fact that he's still a 17-year-old stupid kid. Like, not that the kid's stupid, but... He's 17 years old. He's not going to be the smartest kid in the world. And the shitty part is that we haven't figured out how best to handle people of this age who are in these positions. I mean, like, from a different industry completely, Billie Eilish is one of the biggest singers right now. She's also 17. She is on a platform where she has to present herself in a certain way. But with that, she's got people around her that help her make sure that she doesn't make fuck up, basically. You know what I mean? Whereas as content creators, they largely work for themselves and they don't have... like There's no agents yet that exist in a large spam. And there probably is agents out there, but there's not a lot of agents that exist out there that are for these types of people yet. So they're not able to pick up somebody like this and help train them to do the right things and make the right moves and not do stupid shit like this. Because that's ultimately what these agents do is they keep their people out of getting in trouble so they can keep making them more money. And this kid doesn't have that. And I think, you know, I, I don't think the band should have been as serious, but it's also, I mean, this is a career. These are, this is a future career. And the thing with these, with a content creator being a future career, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon, but just like with any tech industry job uh, you have to learn to adapt So getting banned from Fortnite is a fail, it's a loss, but that's an opportunity to pick up, figure out what you can do next, and grow from that experience and do better the next time. And that is how people become successful, is they fail a lot to figure out what is the right path. I mean, you learn by doing. And in this case, he learned by failing. And now he's hopefully, I mean, I think the ban is necessary, year-long, yearly, or, you know, eternal ban. I don't know, but... Yeah, it does seem a little harsh. The more I talk about it, though, I'm like, well, maybe it is okay, because now he's... I mean, this is a message now to everybody. Don't fucking cheat. Yeah, yeah. Don't do this shit, or else you're going to get a freaking perma-ban, and you're out. And then, I mean, everyone knows that.
1: Everybody knows that, I feel like. You just don't cheat, or you're going to get banned. Yeah. And it's not too... I mean, you would think, yeah, there might be a ban for life, which... They can dole that out easily. I don't know, man.
0: So my initial stance on this was that <laughs> I I agree with Ninja and think that they should get special treatment. But now I'm thinking, no, They're fuck just it. People, yeah. just like they, he he knew when he went into this that he put shouldn't be cheating. Maybe he was doing a funny video, whatever. But no, like that's not funny. Yeah. Especially when you're a professional player. I think that's a caveat here. I think if he was just like a YouTuber. They just put out videos, like that's another thing. But he competes professionally, so if he's doing it here, what's to say he's not going to do it there? You see that video that, that uh, Nick posted on our Discord about the uh, gamer girl that was cheating? Mm-mm. Oh man, it's funny. So shout out to uh, Chicken in our Discord channel, um, also known as Nick. He uh, posted a video of this girl that was uh, she was she was yelling at her stream because she. Th- she was calling out people who are gamer girls or she said that basically people think that gamer girls cheat because they aren't good at video games or whatever so she thinks that because they're a girl that they're not good at games and she's like no we don't cheat we're not we're we're uh, like we can be good at games. blah blah blah." so defending herself and whatever and then she didn't realize that while on stream she was streaming her screen which showed her pull up an aimbot and a wall okay, hack and start this. recording that stuff. I, like I didn't see
1: it on Discord, but yeah, I saw that.
0: Yeah, and I was like, oh gosh, this yeah. is like, this is yeah. the problem. This is what you don't do. This is, you know, at that point, at that point you're a hypocrite, you know? It's yeah. crazy.
1: But, and you're a fake gamer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you need an aimbot, you suck. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I played Call of Duty and I just admit to the fact that I, I suck. Right. Like, yeah. And I'm not going to get a whole lot better. I'm hoping I get better, but I'm just going to fess up and just, I'm going to suck for a little bit. Yeah. It's not fun to cheat the way I've, I've had aim bots before like in the old days of call of duty before like call of Duty 2 came out and it was growing strong i would download an aim bot just for the hell of it in the old game and i did it for a little bit and then i was done and then after that i just like stopped doing it because it wasn't fun it was you know you had like 30 minutes of like oh this is crazy this is so cool being able like shoot through walls and shit like that but then it's just like okay i don't really care anymore so yeah i think that this is fair now this guy can learn how can i do better next time I mean, he's got a. I mean, there's a billion games out there. He can get good at. Look at Shroud. He kept his namesake, and he went from being a Fortnite guy, and then he switched to Sea of Thieves, and still maintained his audience. So, like, you can you can survive the storm. Oh it's, yeah, it's fine. Oh yeah. All right. Next up, China's in the news, everybody. Oh what? So, this one, I want this to be a video because I think it's interesting. Hell yeah. Uh, China had. There's an article on CNN that came out that uh, China has fears that young people are addicted to video games. And now they're imposing a curfew. (laughs) So the government has come out and put in new rules. Um, And, you know, obviously we've talked about Tencent being like one of the largest companies. They exist in China. They have new rules that said gamers aged under 18 will be banned from playing online games between 10 p.m. and 8 a.m. On weekdays, minors can only play for 90 minutes while they may play up to three hours per day on weekends and public holidays. So that means throughout the week, let's see, 1.5 times 5, that's 5, 6, 7.5 hours plus 6. That's like, what, 12, 13 and a half hour, 13, 14 hours a week, something like that. Um, that's the amount that they can play throughout the week. Interesting. <coughs> there's interesting. a curfew on it. The guideline also puts restrictions on the amount of money miners can transfer to their gaming accounts. Gamers between eight and sixteen can only top up to American dollars worth of twenty-nine per month, while the max amount for those between sixteen and eighteen will be around fifty-seven dollars. And this is also very topical because we are in an industry now where China is growing vastly, and there's we've had a lot of talk about how there's a lot of American companies that are trying to get into the Chinese market, and then this comes out. So, (laughs) oh, this is great!
1: Oh, you know, Blizzard's loving this, all these companies are loving this, or are they loving
0: it? Or are they? They
1: are hating this. Yeah,
0: because they're like, oh man, we just spent all this money trying to get the Chinese market, and now and then, hey, guess us. what? Now none of our game. What if they did this like on purpose? They're like, yeah, let's take control of these American companies and let's fuck them in the asshole. Good.
1: I'm glad now. The now they might back out of China, being like, well, fuck it. I guess we can't do anything with them because you can't make any money like this. It's basically, their
0: own version of Trump's tariffs. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I, I'm so. I, this is the best thing China could have done for itself. On one hand, I mean, obviously. China, well, I mean,
0: I, I question that because, I mean, it's it's good for well, Americans like, so that maybe American companies won't try and get so hard in, like, Chinese right. butthole. But at the other hand, it sucks for the Chinese because now they're being limited on what they can play.
1: Exactly. Well, I mean, yes. I think from, like, a household standpoint, if you implemented these, like, for your children or yourself or whatever, you know, that's great, right? I mean, obviously, America is all about choice. So you have the choice to do this. And yes, choices can lead to bad consequences depending on who you are and kind of habits you have. But I mean, this is good for them and, you know, obviously we should not have this in America, but I mean, why 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 do why so are the Chinese saying one of the is best? Is that it's
0: okay for China to have it but we can't have it? Exactly. So you're saying <laughs> that we we don't need that. Bitch, we don't need that because you don't want to on your children to not be able to play all the games that they want to well, play. Well, you know,
1: you should control your children more. I guess <laughs> they're young and stupid, and we were there too. We understand. Yep. Wasted too many, too much time at video games. Um, obviously, control is very important, and there's a time and place for everything. So, so
0: you prefer control. So you're saying that you're become a a liberal I'm, I'm a
1: dictator of I'm a communist dictator now. Okay,
0: you're a you're a so a liberal socialist then. Liberal socialist, uh, yeah.
1: In my own home, maybe.
0: <laughs> oh man, oh man. Uh, yeah, I I have qualms about this. Like, I mean, on one end, yes, because China or American companies are trying so hard to get in China, and that there's all this like controversy around, like they're doing things specifically for Chinese people. I think it's this is just like this is weird. It's a weird move on China's part. Because they're getting so much money from American companies, and now they're putting these things in, which is going to cause the Chinese all the amount of money that people are making off of China, China decrease. But I also question this, and I mean, people know that China is—it's not like America; it's totally not like America. There's a lot of control over there. But I'm like, how do they enforce this stuff? They must have like—you must have software on everybody's computer I, to I be able to do. manage and. Yeah. And that's scary that they have this much control I, I think over their they're, people. They're going like to you have can sit in your computer and they're just like, Oh, sorry, you're done playing video games. Go do your homework or shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a lot of government control.
1: Yes. And you know what? Um I've seen some Asian families that I've come in contact with and they're kinda like they're very anal about things, right? And I always thought it was a bad thing and I felt sorry for some of my Asian friends because like, man, your parents are really hard on you, but it's things like that that might carry over from generations of living in that kind of you know setting and coming here that they are very disciplined. A lot of the Asians that I've known, oh yeah, and they make you know they're really good at school, uh, not because they wanted to be, I think they were forced to be, but I mean they're very successful. They make lots of money now. It's just like you know that kind of mentality of you need to limit yourself and having that kind of structure can be beneficial, depending on what country you live in. <laughs> And, yeah, China's a growing economy. And, you know, some of the things they do, they're forced to do, which I do not agree with at all, is partly the reason why they're, you know, a competitor in the world economy. Yeah, yeah. And this is good. I mean, it's good and bad,
0: obviously. Y'all be interested to see the repercussions of this down the line. Because, I mean, in all honesty, it is kind of fair that, I mean, they're right. Like this is this is one way to solve video game addiction. Yes, is just keep them from being able to play games. Right, and they're gonna figure out a way to do it. But I feel like Asian culture is very different than here. Oh yeah. Whereas like our culture is gonna figure out. Oh man, we're gonna do whatever we can to like play this this stuff. Whereas right. in Asia, th- putting this limit in place, they're gonna s- not do it. Right. Like I feel like I feel like Asian culture is much more disciplined than we are. <laughs> as, yes. Yes. As Americans. Um it's not cuz they want to be it's cuz they're forced right to be. it's cuz they're 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 <laughs> brought into that from a, a yeah. young age but i mean in a way it's kind of a good thing but it's also kind of a bad thing because now you're being forced to do something that you don't won't always want to do exactly and again it goes back to what i was saying earlier with failure is important for people to grow mm-hmm. if you don't figure out how to fail I and mean, some people don't learn from that failure and that's that's an issue as well but I think a lot of times you learn from failures that you make and if you're like limited from this. My problem with this is once you reach that age limit of not being filtered, then what happens? Well, it's going to be suddenly. I mean, I know a lot of people that grew up being completely sheltered from like alcohol and drugs and all these addictive properties and then once they get to the point where they can do it, they just like go whole hog into it and get like right. like way too far into it because right. they've been sheltered from it for so long. Mm-hmm. And that can be a even worse problem. Um, this could have the same repercussion is that you shelter them too much on it. Right. And then once they get into the age where they can do it and do whatever what they want, <laughs> they might get super <laughs> get, addicted to super, it and have dude, a larger yeah. addiction than they right. would have had before. Right.
1: Yeah. I hear lots of people and you know, a lot of people on our Discord and stuff like that, and people we talk to are like, Yeah, we gave up gaming because it was so addicting and you we know we had jobs and a family to take care of, so it's like You know, life choices. And
0: that's a good example. I mean, like, if you look at people today, I mean, a lot of our audience is that way. Like, they, you have a family, you have a wife, and you have a kid. Like, you grew up playing tons and tons of video games. You just naturally just don't do it anymore because you don't have time to do it anymore. And that's normal and that's how it should be. So, we have naturally been able to acclimate ourselves out of it. Mm -hmm. Like, this whole gaming addiction thing, like, these kids are addicted to games right now. They're not going to be addicted to it. Most of them aren't going to be addicted to it 10 years from now. Now you're going to have those outliers just like you have with drugs and alcohol where there's people that do get addicted and stay addicted for the rest of their lives. Right, right. But the vast majority of people are going to move past it and they're not going to do it as much and they'll, they'll figure out a way around it. So it's, it's, it's interesting, but I'm anxious to see what these companies are looking at. You know, American companies are getting in the market how they're reacting to this now that, stuff starting to happen yeah it's it's pretty oh, yeah. pretty fascinating yeah so all right Red Dead Redemption 2 came out on PC mm. last week and uh it's a hot pile of garbage right now yes it is it's having a lot of problems freezing crashes strange bugs people getting disconnected every 30 45 minutes basically don't play Red Dead Redemption on PC yet
1: <laughs> oh they rushed us out so quick to try to make some money
0: but at least I, I that's what it seems think they like. they Did though? That's the. I feel like it's Well, the just, way
1: it comes out. That's what it makes it look like. That's what it, it makes not. it looks,
0: look like. But I mean, like Rockstar has never been one to do that. Well, I Rockstar's that not. I take that back. Rockstar well, has all, been one to do that. They've I mean, all, GTA, all of their, 5, GTA yeah. Four was a hot pile of garbage when it first came out on PC because it was poorly optimized and had horrible frame rates and. The Rockstar Social Club was a hot pile of garbage because they were trying to do the whole origin, you know, game launcher bull crap thing. It never worked for me, so I feel like this is just a common thing. They just don't get PC very well. Eventually, it gets better, but it takes Eventually, a while to yeah. like, fix it.
1: You think in this day and age, you think that wouldn't be an issue, but apparently, it's an issue for all AAA companies.
0: <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's wild. But yeah, these even people, what's interesting is that people that are playing, they said they're having worse performance when they drop their 1080p graphics to medium than if it's on higher ultra. <laughs> like what is What that? is wrong with that? Man. So apparently the way it's handling it's it's the way it's distributing its CPU usage is broken. And this, so this article has come uh, from James Davenport on PC gamer. And he made a really good analogy here that I thought was really interesting. Um, specifically because it's a Reddit Redemption game and there's horses in it. He said, I imagine it's like giving a horse too many apples. A horse is going to keep eating apples if presented to them. I know this. And the horse is going to feel energized by the apples and run a smooth and efficient horse frames per second up until the moment its tummy reaches max apple capacity, at which point the horse stops or stutters in order to vomit up some apples to make room for more apples. A CPU suddenly gives too many chunky calculations might choke in a similar way exhibited by intermittent hitching in-game. Interesting. Very interesting. Very good analogy. Yeah. Kudos to James there. Wow. But, uh, yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2, having problems. Hold off. Don't buy it yet. Yeah. Um, just get it on PS4 if you want to play it. And, uh, yeah, that's Good it. times. <clears throat> All right. Overwatch 2 was announced a couple weeks ago. We mentioned it on the podcast at BlizzCon and there is a so game director James or James Jeff Jeff Kaplan yeah Jeff has Jeff. Uh, been in several interviews, um, one of which he came out and mentioned that he does not agree with Blizzards stance on how they handled the bloodstrong situation. He uh, said that it was very very harsh and that he was like kind of upset that they did what they did. Good on him. So that was cool he came out and said that. but at the same time uh, he also has come out and said that overwatch two. Is a result of Overwatch 1 being stagnated. So, Overwatch has always had these seasonal events like Lucio Ball uh, from the summer, and Science Revenge in the fall, Winter Wonderland in the winter. And there hasn't really been a lot of that at all in a while. Like, nothing. We haven't seen any of it. And he came out and said that the reason for it is yeah. literally Overwatch 2. And he said it's nice that they can now talk about Overwatch 2 because they've been doing this for so long that <coughs> it's been hard to stay silent and not provide updates to that game because they've been doing so much on this one. And he said even one of his guys in his team, uh, Mike Hayberg, who was the guy that was one of the top designers of Science Revenge, came to Jeff Kaplan and was like, I have all these ideas I want to do for Halloween this year. And he responds, like, I understand, Mike, but we're focused on this other thing right now. So he said it's hard for them to, like, kind of get around that. And it makes me wonder, it makes me question back to the idea of, like, why did they bring out Overwatch 2? Like, what is the point behind this? Why title it A2? Um,
1: I just, I really think it should get more money. You know but, double the price of a DLC because you have a two on it and you can get 60 bucks off of that from people.
0: But what I mean, I'm, why, I'm curious, why? do you think they will do that though? Like, do you think I people mean, are have, gonna buy it?
1: I really have no idea, honestly,
0: especially with the fact that because they even said in this article that. If you have Overwatch One, eventually the idea is to merge Overwatch One with Overwatch Two, and then it all becomes one entity. Why? Why? So why? Overwatch One is going to get all the new map updates, all the new heroes, and all of the graphical upgrades Overwatch Two is going to get. So that further begs the question: What is the point of Overwatch Two? Exactly. I mean, there's hero missions and story missions, but that could easily have been brought out as part of the original Overwatch or game
1: DLC, because it does has, it does not tie to the <clears throat> core game.
0: We're making like seasonal chapters. Like do the chapter content like what uh, Battlefield is doing. Yes. And then say chapter one this is the the freaking um, um, Winston story. Mm-hmm. And then like have a whole like arch story arc about that. And that's like content surrounded around that plus like whatever's going on. And then chapter two here's the right. so that would have been a really cool way to present the the story. Yes. Um, and then provide special rewards that are limited to that area for like, it limited that time period for Winston. But then after it's done, you can still play all those original story missions, but it's not the center focus at that point. Right. Like, I, I just don't get... I want to know the exact reason of why they said let's make Overwatch 2 as opposed to let's just keep updating Overwatch. Right. Like, we mentioned before that it largely probably is due to the fact that you can put a 2 on it and now it suddenly gets back more in the news in a bigger way than if you just right. have Overwatch 1 updated. But it just, just seems weird.
1: Yeah. Because, like, Overwatch 1 should have been like, hey, we, we've fallen from grace type thing, and now we're back, right? That seems like Overwatch 1, part one of the, you know, the trilogy, it all ends when we all get back together. It's not like, oh, we all get back together, and it's a new beginning, so Overwatch 2. It just doesn't make right. sense from a narrative standpoint. And, you know, it really didn't go too much into, like, what's happening in the world. Like, all of a sudden, the Omnic forces are back in bigger, better way type thing. And then, you know, ha- working on this really was not good for your core fans and seasonal things, which I think obviously everyone's doing seasonal things now, which is getting to the point where it's just like a little ridiculous. But, you know, they, they actually have some interesting stuff going on and things that people want. Like, you're a big enough studio to be able to do both of those things. Like, I don't understand why, like... Overwatch 2 better have a lot of interesting and deep things to do if it's taking that much to make a game that you're just basically updating.
0: Maybe it's because... So one of the things that he does mention here is that Overwatch 2 will also receive all the graphical improvements and that... Uh you better like they said that if we're playing in the same competitive pool, you better not have a better frame rate just because you're on a different version of the engine. So maybe their idea was let's call it Overwatch 2 so that we can like soft release this new game engine to the community and then work out all the bugs and kinks, but still have Overwatch 1 there for like the majority of competitive play. And then gradually, as we figured out and tested in the wild, Merge it all into Overwatch 2, and then that becomes a new competitive play. So I almost wonder if like Overwatch One will be like the 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 actual version that they will be playing competitive mode for a little bit as a because it comes with all the competitive components in both. Right. So i wonder if they're almost like let's test Overwatch 2 with this new engine with new upgrades, but then allow Overwatch One to still pre-exist partially for competitive, partially for beta testing right allow this new one to be like the new PTR that's like public PTR kind of deal yeah that would be one reason why I could see the logic behind it but I wish it was stated because they've been so good at being transparent about right. this game I find this to be kind of against that whole transparency idea that they've had like why didn't they talk more about this why like they need to tell us exactly why this exists other than writing story missions because that's not doesn't really do it. Yeah,
1: we'll see. Only time will tell when release comes. <coughs> it just better not be I mean, 60 bucks. Yeah, I and mean, it's like <laughs> this
0: guy right here says. He said, if I'm missing something that doesn't make this a literal announcement, then there's no reason they could have just been updating the game with this content. Until this very article, I've been calling on the conspiracy theorists on this topic, but I'm feeling like Blizzard just announced that it's true. So it's, yeah.
1: Makes no sense. It just makes no sense. That's
0: weird. Okay. Right. anyway. Norman Reedus, everybody. Death Stranding's here. We haven't talked about it yet because we want to give it enough time to play it to review it properly. So, because it's like a fifty-hour game, it's really long. So, we'll be talking about that. So, if you're wondering where it is, it'll be coming. But you know, we're casual gamers, just like you. So we uh, we we can't just cram in a fifty-hour campaign in a weekend. So no, we're gonna. I haven't try even got that. the game yet. The so
1: actually, by now
0: I have the game. Oh yeah, true. It's so, yeah. true. Um. GameSpot has reported in an interview with Norman Reedus that he is happy that Silent Hills didn't get made. And this is pretty interesting to hear and kind of gives me a lot of hope for Death Stranding because he said that he's glad the project fell through because Death Stranding is way better than what Silent Hills was going to be, which is huge. That's like a big deal to say that. So he was talking with a Hollywood Reporter And they asked if there were similarities between Death Stranding and Silent Hills. And he said the two are very different and he's happy it didn't work out. When that went away, he was bummed. But when Hideo described what we were doing next, he completely forgot about it. He was like, thank God that didn't work because this is way better. This is a completely different thing. And the way he got to know them is that Guillermo del Toro came to Norman Reyes and said, hey, there's this guy who called about doing a video game. Do you want to do it? And then Norman Reyes was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And they met Hideo Kojima and the rest was history. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm uh I'm glad to hear that, and it's been getting good reviews. I mean, it's people say that's not for everybody, and that it is slow, as it was kind of expected to be. But it's also therapeutic. Some people have said. So that is interesting to say the least. Thank you for highlighting. Mm-hmm. That. And uh, I'm I'm excited about that. So it should be should be pretty good. I'm looking forward to playing it. <laughs> okay, last article we got. awesome what the fuck? This one's crazy. This is my WTF article of the week. Polygon has reported... So this article could have just been as simple like, hey, we're going to talk about this and that's it. But the way this article was written has got me all kind of upset. But... That's right. Polygon author Owen S. Good brought out a opinion analysis piece on E4Speed Heat, which just came out last week and said that Need for Speed Heat has no microtransactions and that might be a bad thing, question mark. So his reasoning behind this is that because it has no microtransactions and EA has been all about microtransactions in recent years, he feels as if EA doesn't have strong feelings about this game and doesn't have high expectations for it and therefore they didn't invest the time and money into doing microtransactions. And that so he's basically saying that this is going to go the way of the middle Honor series and blah blah blah. blah. And that, you know, Star Wars Battlefront 2 came out with a loot box model, random draws, whatever whatever. Need for Speed Payback had a lot of loot boxes, but I find this to be this it hurts me that this was written because we have always been striving and pushing for game developers to find other ways to monetize your games other than shady, you know, microtransactions. Right. And here we have a game that comes out with no microtransactions that has been relatively reviewed well. Like, the reviews haven't been like, oh man, this is the most amazing game ever. But it has largely favorable reviews. People are saying it's like a 7 or an 8 kind of game, which I think is fine for an ea need for speed game it's better That's than fine. they've had yeah need for speed 2015 got like a six and then need for speed payback i think got like a six and a half or a seven largely because of the microtransactions now this game comes out with no microtransactions and then they are saying it's a bad thing <laughs> hypocrites Dude, Hypocrites.
1: we're like we're, I, yeah I, I think a lot of what's coming out in the news these days just doesn't make sense anymore
0: so clickbaity. I mean he does yeah. mention that like Target already has a Black Friday ad out saying that games me $35 off a week before its release. Um but like <coughs> I mean I I think that's fine. Like this I don't I don't see that they should be I think this game's gonna sell. It's not gonna sell like amazingly well, but the fact that it doesn't have it gives me more reason to want to buy it or not buy it. I have an EA access pass, so I'm just gonna get it through right. that. But Lucky. if I didn't, I would just go for it. And honestly, that's this year has been a great year to have EA access because with that ninety nine dollars a year, I got to see that Anthem was a, not very good um, without paying for it. I got to play all the updates of Battlefield Five. I still haven't paid sixty dollars for Battlefield Five yet. It's just part of that ninety nine dollar fee. I can play Sea of Solitude. I got the Anthem Battle Passes for free, I, or not Anthem Apex Legends. Uh, I get Need for Speed Heat. I get Madden to download if I want to play that, which Damn. I don't really care about, but I can. Right, right. Um, and then I get Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. All of those games for 100 bucks. That's pretty good. That's fucking awesome. <clears throat> and, like, I'm I'm okay with that. So if they continue to do this kind of thing, like, I think they've they've got a good thing going for them. And, you know, next year they may only have two games that come out, but I'm still probably going to keep that $99 subscription alive because of the fact that I got so much value out of it this year and there might be one or two things that come out next year that I'm excited about. So I think the money works out, but I'm hoping that they... I would be happy if they went the way of these subscription-y things that gives you access to like a library as opposed to you have to buy every single game and get all these stupid microtransaction deals because I'm still loving (laughs) Apple Arcade and I'm playing the heck out of that and it's $4.99 a month and it's good. It's got no bullshit. It's great, but... I'm excited for Need for Speed Heat. I think it's going to be good. Um, not great, but I think it'll be a fun game just to kind of <clears throat> power through a little bit and play every once in a while, and um, I can get on PC. Uh, we've come full circle. Yeah, We
1: don't want any microtransactions. Oh, wait. Yes, we do. Yeah. Shills. You're shilling.
0: Yeah. My, my, my problem with this is that now we've been conditioned to expect it for a game to be good. And that is a problem that, is a that huge problem. we have been concerned with for a while. Well, I've never seen it pitch that way, yeah. but now that's how he's pitching is that a game is only good if a company is investing money to put microtransactions into it. Yes. I'm like, yes. are you shitting me right now? Yeah. So oh, you're yeah. saying Jedi Fallen Order is going to be a hot pile of garbage is basically what he's saying. Basically. But he's not writing that article. I don't know. It's just, it's he might. crazy. Yeah, he might, honestly. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's like we're excited when we don't hear microtransactions in yes. it. And now there's articles coming out there saying, "Oh man, there's no microtransactions." this good could,
1: I mean, obviously you should take everything with great salt and develop your own opinion and blah 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 blah. But you know, this could change the narrative in the wrong direction. You know. Yep. Because whatever like a developer sees, it's like, oh shit. Well, we better start putting more loot boxes in these games. <laughs> God dang it.
0: Yeah, I know. It's yeah. So polygon. Thanks. Stop it, please. Thanks a lot. Stop doing that bullshit stuff like <laughs> I mean, I understand your point and it's, you know, you have the right to your opinion and stuff like that, but come on, like think about what you, the message that you're putting out there in the world. It's not the right message to be putting out there. We don't I think you don't want microtransactions as much as we don't. So, don't say that. Anyway. That's all I got. If you guys want to watch this in video format, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash theinnergamer and subscribe and bang that bell to get the videos as they launch and make sure you tell your friends about it because uh, they might be interested in it as well. You know, it's pretty cool. Stay tuned. We'll be right back for our discussion topic, everybody. You're listening to The Inner Each week we break down a hot topic in the gaming industry, and this week we're going to talk about what makes good multiplayer map design. What? 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 In the multiplayer, but yep. You got too far. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's totally good. All right, multiplayer design. We're going to talk about multiplayer map design for a little bit. Mainly, this is a discussion that's based off of our recent. Comparison and contrast between Call of Duty Modern Warfare that just came out and Battlefield 5 that just released Pacific Theater maps that we talked about earlier in this podcast. Yeah. If you've been listening closely, uh, this time we want to talk a little bit about the map design here because if you look at Battlefield 5, we talked about how excited we were with the gameplay and the random encounters and just the moment to moment combat that is so uh, invigorating and visceral. And whereas in Modern Warfare, we have lauded it recently that it's good. It's really good. The game is great. Multiplayer is solid. There's a lot of good things happening here. But as the game has been out longer, there's been more and more talks about this is a haven for spawn camping, camping in general. Yep, And... There's a lot of issues with just unfair, like where the hell did that guy shoot me from? Like I feel like spawn points are jacked up. There's issues with the map layout, the placements of choke points, different things of that nature that just seem to cause issues now that we've had more time in the game. And I did hear, so with Modern Warfare, they are bringing out all of their maps free with this game. So that's a new thing that they haven't done before. And they just brought out two more maps. And I've read that those two maps are less campy, um, less reason for people to camp in them. So that's been good. But I want to discuss a little bit about just why are these, why are some of these maps so ripe for camping and so r- ripe for just being full of bullshit and why other maps are not? And look at specifically Battlefield 5 and Call of Duty, which are different games, but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can look at Ground War as a good example, baseline for these two different types of things and what makes them good and bad. And uh, yeah, so before we... like, I have an article that I want to reference here, but before we jump into that, Austin, do you have any thoughts? Just first off the top, top level, reasons as to why we see these negatives with Modern Warfare, but don't necessarily see them as much in Battlefield Five.
1: All right, so I feel like... I mean, obviously, they're two different games going with two different playstyles, And, you know, back in the day with Modern Warfare, I think they really tailored those maps to be very run and gun. Uh, so, I mean, that's what I really enjoyed about Call of Duty. And these are going for that to a degree. And, you know, it's kind of hit or miss for me. But then, obviously, you know, Battlefield is more for bigger battalion of people throughout the map fighting in different areas so you have to set up the map in a way that you're going to have many fights all over the place and it's going to be an interesting and well balanced and obviously there's air vehicles and ground vehicles and artillery and stuff like that so just a bunch to take into account for which makes it definitely a harder map design to accomplish um, so it just Kind of having to separate the two in a way. Yeah, that's where I'm at. answer <clears throat> your question, <laughs> A
0: little bit, yeah. A little bit. Um, so I was thinking about why this could be... Because I feel like Call of Duty map design hasn't changed a ton
1: Mm-mm.
0: over the years. No,
1: it's still arena-based.
0: But I'm thinking the, the issue... The biggest issue that we have is that as time has gone on... Like, back in Call of Duty 1, for example, you had two factions you had well you had three factions the germans russians and the uh americans and the russians and the americans or the russians largely had gray uniforms with maybe a touch of like burgundy red colors to them Uh, americans were largely wearing tan uniforms so they had a very distinct yellowish tan tint to them and then the germans were gray that was their color so from a distance, you can distinguish those those three people very clearly, especially if you're like in a map where it's, I mean, it's either going to be Americans versus Russians or I guess sometimes you have Russians versus Germans. But again, that red burgundy color made that differentiation where you could see who was on your team and who wasn't on your team. And then now that we've gone to today... Uh, Americans don't always have that very clear tannish color. Sometimes there's a little bit more darker tones to their uniforms. And then like the Middle Eastern military has browns in their uniform. And then also graphics have gone better. So there's a shit ton more detail in these maps than there used to be. So whereas before you could look across a map and see like an enemy sniping you from a distance, now it's hard to see that because you have all these detailed items and objects in the world that distract you from seeing that color and they all kind of blend in with one another.
1: There's plenty of times when you're in shadow in Modern Warfare and I even see a person standing there and I just get killed. And I'm like, what the, where did this guy come from? Yeah, he's just in black, literally in black.
0: Yeah, and it's it's weird. And like that one map I was playing that. In Modern Warfare, where you have the caves, you know, there's like outside on the cliffside, and you have the caves you go through. In that one, I felt like no matter what I did, I would always end up with an enemy behind me, even though I spawned back there. I'm like, how did this end up happening? And I think a lot of it has to do... So one of the things I want to talk about is there's this article I found online from a website called 80 Level, and it was Eight Secrets of Great Multiplayer mass from Ben Burkhart. And Ben Burkhart worked on, this, this article was written like back in 2015, so it's an older article. But I think there's still a lot of relevance here to what he talked about. And he worked on um, Unreal Tournament maps, he worked on Brother in Arms uh, game maps and things of that nature. And in here he dives into some of the things that make a good map, one of which is Flow. So flow is above and beyond the most important thing in a multiplayer map while the other things high on the list have a possibility of not breaking the map if done poorly, whatever, whatever. But if your flow is bad, then a the whole game falls apart. The other thing is item placement. So if most of the things on this map, on this list, you item placement in a map can make or break your layout. Vertical spaces. So any good deathmatch level will have multiple floors and stories. Having several overlapping floors makes the gameplay more interesting and exciting. Spawn points. Spawn points should never be obvious to other players so that we be marked visually to allow players to camp or spawn kill players. So level designers place a minimum of two to three times more spawn points throughout the level than the player count is designed for. Um, and then the use of sound. So that's an overlooked feature. But they said that having sound cues to trigger specific spots <coughs> in a level when a player runs over them. So, you know, metal versus dirt versus whatever and the visual clarity, so making sure that the game is clear and the frame rate is high, <coughs> and not overly decorating your map. Gameplay mechanics, and then size. So those are all factors that he thinks can contribute to a good or a bad map design. Um, and I think a lot of these like play in a Call of Duty. Visual fidelity and then also the map layout. Um, and the spawn points I think is a big one that <laughs> it causes a lot of problems with this this game overall. So what do you think about some of these?
1: I mean, it's just hard. I mean, yeah, it takes a bunch of things to make a perfect map. And definitely depending on what game you're making is going to determine a lot of those things. But I just I, I couldn't believe being like, I wouldn't want to be the person trying to make the perfect map, you know. Because... There's just so much that goes into it. And, you know, when I'm playing these maps, you just kind of looking at some of the areas. Like, yeah, the one with the um, with the cave in it is interesting. You know, they're trying to do like an outside-inside thing, and it's more long than it is like square or circular or whatever, where it's like a, usual, a typical arena-style map. And I think having to balance that with, you know, I think originally, you know, Modern Warfare 1 and 2, you had that... Kind of square map to mostly, and you could run around it and kill people, even in Black Ops 2, I think is the one we played, right? The one we got really into,
0: uh, i in Black Ops 1. I don't remember if I got into Black Ops 2 that much.
1: It was the one where you went back in <coughs> Vietnam War and stuff, I think it was Black Ops 1. Okay, well, Black
0: it? Ops 2 did it as well, but okay,
1: anyway, so like I just know those maps are more of like you know, you just run and gun and run around this, like there's this ring. That you follow and you can go through the middle a few times and you know, it was mostly open and you can go in any direction really and you know, encounter somebody. But I feel like there is a flow to the map, like how you should play it. And if you followed that flow, you know, nine times out of ten you're gonna you're gonna win. Yeah. Because you can get the advantage on somebody. And I think these maps aren't like that. They're very different. And maybe <clears> they're trying to go for a different style of play, but you know, I guess some of the you know me being a veteran of call of duty is kind of it's, it's kind of weird for most of these maps.
0: Yeah, I th- I think the biggest thing with this new call of duty modern warfare is that spawn spawn areas change significantly as you're playing the game. You you can invade an enemy's spawn point and then all of a sudden they start spawning from where you used to spawn. And then it shifts the map around. So, if that's the case, if you have campers or anybody that's like just hanging out, waiting around for whatever, you spawn um, right next to them. You spawn right next to them. Then they see you. And I think that hurts the game design significantly because if you look at the original Call of Duty, like one of my favorite maps in Call of Duty 1 was Carantan. And that was designed where the Americans spawn in the grass outside of the city, and then the uh, Germans spawn inside the city on the opposite side of the map. So it was clearly you're on the south side or the north side. Generally, if you look at that map's design, it's shaped like, uh, it's got three lanes. So you have left, right, middle, and that's your directions. So if you looked at it, it's a square with a center line down the, down the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And those are the paths you can go. So you know if you go left, you're going to hit an enemy. If you go right, you're going to hit an enemy. If you go down the middle, you're going to hit an enemy. But they added in some of these features that this uh, Ben Burkhardt talked about with like verticality and then different varying spawn placements. So like you may have always spawned on that south side as an American, but you may not have spawned right dead center. You may have spawned on the right side, the left side, a little bit further to the front. So you had an unpredictable spawn point, but you're still on that side. Mm-hmm. So camping could exist, but they didn't know exactly where you're gonna come in at. And then you always had a flow one direction in that game. It was varied in the lanes that you went down, but it was still directionally going that that way. And I think Modern Warfare has done a bad job of not having that. Like, they have lanes in certain maps. Right. But then, like, take uh, Piccadilly Circus, for example, that map. That map has a design issue, a design flaw, in that when you spawn in, you because everything looks similar, you kind of lose your bearings as to where you are, especially when you switch sides. Like, you spawn in, and the center of the map is where all the detail is, where all the buses are. And I'm like trying to think of how do I call out to my teammates like, oh, hey, they're over here. And there's a few iconic little things like there's a little uh, there's a mall or that that clothing store you can go into or there's that scaffolding on that one side of the map. But generally, you can't really describe to somebody, oh, they're over in the bombed out building or they're over in this place. Like there's not a lot. And they do have names up at the top of the screen for what the map areas are called. But even that, there's not enough visual detail in that map to differentiate the sides. Mm. And then the sides change. So then you lose your bearings on to like where are you geographically in this map? Right. And it makes it hard yeah. competitively to to win. Whereas specifically these two Pacific maps we played in Battlefield, like when you're playing in that Pacific Storm map, the enemies spawn in the water. Or, no, the Americans spawn the water, the Japanese spawn the islands. You're going against each other, and you're eventually going to hit in the middle. Right. And you have those two choke points, which is those two main bases, that, that's where the central location of combat will take place. I think it's C
1: and D as like the middle point.
0: Yeah. I think one was, well, depend on what, what round yeah, we're, we're playing. Yeah. Yeah. Like if yeah. you're playing like Conquest, or if you're playing that one where it's like Tug of War, it's like A and B. But if you're playing not, if you're playing the one that was oh, yeah, Conquest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Conquest, yeah, I think that was C and D. Conquest. But you had then different maps that were, or different points that were off that, but the main choke points were there. And you knew that the enemies were going to come from that one side and you were going to come from this side and come in the middle. So you kind of had an expectation of where your enemies would be Mm -hmm. so you can anticipate who you're looking for and visually see that. And this new Call of Duty doesn't allow that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of maps are having... A lot of games are struggling with that these days as they get more like I think that's why Crisis never hit it off with multiplayer because it was so detailed that you lost a sense of what the enemy looked like and where they were and there was so much movement in it that you just couldn't be prepared like you couldn't anticipate where they were where they were like the game should be about your skill not about can you see them or is there something in the way of them or something like that and this game it's or Battlefield's really good at containing that in most cases sometimes it's like you're like where the fuck did that guy shoot me from But um it's getting better which is nice but modern warfare definitely struggles with that a little bit yeah
1: it's it's kind of sad i think i would get in it more if it was more balanced to that degree um because i mean it's fun and there there was like a fun aspect to it back in the day and yeah it's like you know you push too close to the spawn point of the other team you know they're going to start spawning behind you so you can push back that way and there was always this kind of line drawn you know in the map where you know the enemies were going to be coming from because that's just how the spawns would you know happen and obviously it would shift depending on you know where the line was drawn and how spawn points are placed but you know you could say I mean it sucked too because sometimes they would you know spawn in Right next to you, and it's just like shit.
0: Yeah, or you—they
1: yeah. sp- spawn next to you, or yeah, or they'd
0: be camping there, and like, yeah, it wasn't that they spawn there; it's just they've been sitting there the entire map and haven't moved. Right, and just been like picking people off. Spawn as they camping is always the an issue. And um, yeah, and as
1: you know the map more and understand the mechanics of spawning in, I think that it's just bound to happen regardless. I don't think there's yeah. any way of like actually making that work because you know Battlefield they do it too. You push them so far back they can't get a foothold in anything. Yeah. So you just kill them at the base.
0: But I think even that, like some of that, like I was talking about the the clear map design of, you know, you got people on this side, people on this side, and then they come together in the middle. Right. I feel like that's that largely is a good thing, but then it also can be a bad thing because I look at Destiny 2's PvP with the Crucible and, like, I think those maps are pretty good, but I also feel like it's just a haven for you have these these like there's never more than what three control points in a control map and you're largely going to like there's going to be something on this side and then something on this side and then be waiting for each other to come in to shoot at each other back and forth and it's like an arena like a gunfight map in modern warfare and it's in that case i feel like it's not as good of a situation because you have three points that you're guarding and that's the extent of the game so and you know predictably where they're going to be spawning at, and there's not much, there's no, there's not as much verticality in Destiny Master, which is odd because you think there would be more, but there isn't. I mean, other than like two stories, there isn't a whole lot of diversity in that.
1: I actually like them. Yeah, I I, I don't know the map. I know the map I'm thinking of, but I don't know the name of the map. But it's got you know obviously a flag on. Each side the closest to each everyone's spawn point. And then you got the one in the middle that it's kind of at a 90 degree angle and it's in a circular thing. So there's two spots that are open that you can get into, but then there's like more of a concaved back end that you can kind of hide in for, okay. you know, so as people come in, you can kind of get the jump on them, but everyone's always looking back there because it's most likely yeah. enemy there. But the way they have it set is, you know, then they got, um, so you got the little circle area and then you got an uh, open area behind it along with a tunnel that goes from each base. So you kind of got this, like, main focus of combat, and it keeps it focused, and everyone knows, like, we got to get to that point because, you know, everyone has one point, and you get two points, and obviously you're doing better than the other team. And then, you know, if you're getting owned, it leaves, because everyone's probably going to be guarding that one point, it leaves the other two areas open to kind of flank, and there's just like, always... Back and forth of like, okay, so we're all up here now, but now the other team's coming from the other side, or someone's coming from the side, and like, just you know, mixing up the gameplay. So you have to aim your focus over here because you know now there might be two or three people coming this way, but then it leaves the main spot open for other people to come in. So yeah. this is always this like kind of tug of war and like the pacing and the dance of how people are playing and the way they have it set up. It's it's interesting because I mean these are people who well, originally made Halo and I think they did pretty good with their the way they designed their maps and it kinda just it comes through yeah uh in Destiny as well. And yeah so there's not too many maps in Destiny that I just hate. I feel like they do a good job of like here are the lanes. Now here are the like, you know, opposing lanes that you can get to the other lanes with if you need to and I have a good time with it. Yeah. A little elevation here and there.
0: Yeah. Yeah I don't think I don't think it's a bad thing like you know, I'm not saying it's like, oh, this is like terrible map design or right, anything like right. that. I just think there's there's definitely that predictability there. But I do think it's better than the alternative with this new modern warfare where the map design is kind of like I feel like they were trying to make it a little bit more asymmetrical and it kind of hurt them in that regard as opposed to helping them. Like with Destiny's maps and then even going back to the original Halo, like they're very symmetrically designed. In that you you're ultimately looking at again the lanes and you have your spawn point your spawn point and it's either like a one directional kind of pathway or it's kind of like like it's it's either a square or a diamond or like a circle and that's uh, the essence of the shape that you're working with and there may be some pathways in between there that breaks it up a little bit but mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have two sides and you know that there's two sides and I think that helps to, if you have a lot of visual fidelity in the map, helps to guide the 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 firefight, you know, one way or the other, um, which I, I I don't think Modern Warfare did a good job of exactly. in this case. I agree, especially in like ground war, like oh, <clears throat> like geez. ground war does have predictability and like where it where the two main bases are, but you never really know. Like I feel like there's such where in Battlefield you can kind of see the flow of map capture happening where like you have like an iwo jima for example you have the three mountain maps like if you control one of those mountain flags you kind of control the mountain and then if you control the ground you kind of control the ground Like you control one of the ground maps you have an easier ability to control the ground maps but i felt like those maps we played in ground war like you didn't really know what was going to happen like you're just constantly flipping sides inside the uh these different map areas and just it's a rotation of combat where nobody ever really gets one way or the other unless you get a kill streak going, and then it just becomes so lopsided to one end that the balance just gets way, like, knocked off. Right, And they don't have anything to combat that. Whereas I thought, like, in Battlefield 1, they did a good job of if a map is getting too one-sided, they had actual map design elements that caused the game to push towards the other team's side so that one map they brought that train in in battlefield one that was like a moving freaking crazy disaster train that would let you kill people and knock more people out to kind of shift the size the other direction right and uh in battlefield five they don't really need to do that as much because it's overall designed pretty well but <clears throat> it still does have that issue where like we were talking about earlier the choke points like if you capture the bridge and that one map in in Holland or wherever it is like you kind of own the game like those are the two main map, main control points and the rest of it kind of doesn't matter um, same with that aero aerodrome or whatever like if you have that main section if you control that for the majority of the game you control the game because right. everybody's just constantly just spinning in a circle and I wish they would Figure out a way to make that better, but I think a lot of it is due to the just simplifying the design of the space is is key right. in this instance. Right. And both both of these new masks with uh, and I think Wake Island's a great example. Like when that comes out, I'm so excited for that because it's a V, and then you have you have people out on the water, and then they come into the island, but they have two pathways they can come in on at the two. Forks of the of the island, right? And the Germans are on, or the Japanese are on that center apex point, and it's it's genius because the Americans have the advantage of at least controlling half of the island, right? And then trying to push forward on the front yep. lines, and the others are the to, same deal, or the water. go straight to the middle yeah. and try and see what you can do with that. So it's uh, it definitely has a strong sense of push and pull that right. helps balance it out really nicely.
1: Yeah, it was always fun too. Yeah. playing it on the, the DLC they had and you know, you, you go to try to take, you know, two flags on the left side and then you have the right side being taken over and they're pushing in on the main base and you have to go back around and try to yep. push them back and you know, it's just it's fun. Yeah. It's
0: fun. That's good. Yeah. But um I was gonna talk about Apex Legends, but I'm gonna skip that for yeah, for another time 'cause that's that's a whole different conversation in map design. Right. But um yeah, I don't know. It's 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 weird seeing Having played these two games pretty extensively, and like Call of Duty and Battlefield have been the big, you know, first-person shooter epics here, and then we got new ones that have come into play that have tried to change the game a little bit, but still, Battlefield and Call are on the top. Right, and they they handle map design so differently, but I, I think largely Battlefield does a better job of it now. Um, unlike, except for like I hear gunfight, people are still loving gunfight as it's just very, very simple, symmetrical, grounded, easy. But I think the other stuff, there's a lot of work to be done to better that gameplay a I little agree. bit. So
1: maybe more maps come out and it'll be better.
0: I think so. We'll see. Yep, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, if you all have any questions or comments about what makes a good multiplayer map design, if you have any examples of like, man, this is a this map right here is like the culmination of great maps. Like I, I think if I look back at some of my favorite maps of all time. I think of Carentan is a big one from Call of Duty. I think of Blood Gold from Halo. I think of, um, I love Guadalcanal and Battlefield. Um, you know, obviously Wake Island is a huge one. So there's there's these maps that just sort of like stand out. D-Dust, I mean, that's genius. I mean, two sides, you got three lanes with that one too. I mean, it's it, th- that idea of just, Two sides, three lanes. You pick your side, and you do it. Yeah, like I think that's that's brilliant. Um, yeah. So, and then you look at MMOs or MMO or MOBAs. That is the design of the maps. Yeah. <laughs> it's three lanes, and then you pick your lane, and you oh, yeah. go attack, and then the in between is kind of there. So, anyway, if y'all have any comments, questions, or or feedback on this conversation, please let us know. We love to hear your uh, your feedback. And uh, you can also join us on our Discord channel in the show notes to chat with us about these topics there. We'll be right back with our upcoming video game releases. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Looking forward to next week, let's talk about our upcoming video game releases. And I want to say, everybody, that this is probably the last major. We are at the end of the life cycle of... 2019 we are at the precipice the apex the capitalization of the year and with that we have five games coming out in the next week on the 14th of november on pc exclusively age of empires 2 the definitive edition this is the game that celebrates the 20th anniversary of one of the most popular strategy games ever with 4k ultra hd graphics and new and fully remastered soundtrack and brand new content Including the last cons with three new campaigns and four new civilizations. Also, on the 14th, we have exclusive to Oculus Rift Stormland. This is a game coming from Insomniac. And they are back with the tempest, shattered your android body, journey through an ever changing cloudscape to augment yourself and save your friends, explore an expansive world with complete freedom, bound up cliffs, glide across chasms and fly through the strip stream with velocity, detonate explosives, harness electricity and wield makeshift weapons to overcome titanium sentries and monolithic guardians, play single player or explore forgotten ruins together. That sounds badass. And on October, no, not October. What am I saying? We're in November. <laughs> I'm traveling in time. On November 15th, on this Switch exclusively, we finally have the next, this is the first ever exclusive for Switch Pokemon title. Pokemon Sword and Shield is here, everybody. Become a Pokemon trainer and embark on a journey in the new Galar region. Choose from one of three new partner Pokemon, Grookey, Scorbunny, or Sobel. In this all-new adventure, you'll encounter new and familiar Pokemon as you catch, battle, and trade Pokemon while exploring new areas and uncovering an all-new story. And then also on the 15th, we have a game that I am extensively excited for and also nervous about, but mostly really excited for on the ps4 xbox one and pc we have star wars jedi fallen order this is from respawn entertainment and this is a galaxy spinning adventure that awaits you in star wars a third person action adventure title an abandoned padawan must complete his training develop new powerful force abilities and master the art of the lightsaber all while staying one step ahead of the empire whoa whoa that's happening And then also on the 19th of November, we have Shenmue 3 for PS4 and PC. Shenmue 3 sees the eagerly anticipated continuation of the epic story-driven saga. Take control of Ryo Hazuki, a teenage martial artist determined to unravel the mystery behind his father's murder and to exact revenge on the killer. And with that, everybody, that is going to wrap up our show this week. Be sure and check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcasts. You can visit TheIntergamer.net for our latest episodes, videos, and social channels. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on pod, Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. You can leave a review right there on that Apple Podcast app and tell your friends. Don't forget, next week we will be at Hot Fusion on the 21st of November. So come on out and see us there and play some games, board games, all that good stuff. We will be there.
1: If you want to support our show, you can donate over on the website at TheIntergamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast videos and events even better. You can also join in on the conversation over on our Discord channel, so check out the show notes for that link. Also, as always, please share this with your friends, family. The more eyes we get in front of this, the, the faster we grow, and it helps more than you know. Thank you for all of your support. I'm Austin Morales. And I'm Bray And you've been listening to the Any Gamer Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week. Podcast Out.
0: It's playing right now. Oh, shit. Okay. It's Halloween. I see that. Not anymore, but okay. it's kind of still themed yep. in that way. Keep going. Shut anyway, up. I think we can
1: get a good 15 out of it.
0: No, you shut up.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, shut your face, bro.